As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's season three! And you know what that means, right? We have had so far some of the coolest podcast guests on so far. Oh, and there's going to be even more people coming this year, guys. There's going to be, man, reappearances from past guests, brand new people, actors, actresses, filmmakers. There's going to be so much. But if I'm honest with you guys, you know, with the budget that I have and the things that I'm doing, it is not easy to podcast. But there is one app that helps me podcast extremely easy and that's anchor.fm or anchor app on any of the online app stores okay guys here's what it is they're simple to use they have all the tools you need for editing for adding music adding effects adding background stuff man they make it so easy for you and did i mention it's fucking free it's free guys it's freaking free by free i mean like free like it costs nothing to you now you do have to sign some terms and agreements but for the most part i have said the most vile crap on this podcast and it's still being backed by anchor guys trust me just do me and yourself a favor if you're an aspiring podcaster if you have ideas if you want to talk about your private parts here's what you're going to do you're going to go to anchor.fm sign up Follow all their prompts. Guess what? And there's even ad revenue you guys can get. There's a there's so many options for you, and their hosting is phenomenal. They help you get in all the major platforms. Just go ahead, use and download Anchor app today. Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of the Danalysis Podcast. Uh, before we get started, I just want to remind you guys: if you're listening in your car at your job i don't give a damn take a moment leave a review leave five-star report thumbs up whatever whatever platform just just boost it up tell your friends word of mouth is the biggest way to uh 
help the podcast grow. But today, I have a stand-up comic from New York City. He's uh, one of my favorite people. Uh, I just found out an interesting fact about him that we're going to get into here in a little bit. But he's helped me so much in my career so far. And uh, I it's a huge honor to have him on the podcast today. Welcome, Adam Gable. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope that the thing that you just found out about me is not the the wrong credit that you were just about to introduce me as. I, hope I, I, I was, and then I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, for the longest time, I'm like, the entire time I've known you, for some fucking idea, I thought you were a writer for SNL for a while. Because yeah, know, I mean, you know, they have like staff writers, people yeah. that aren't necessarily know, they aren't necessarily yeah, famous. I mean, there's, there's, it's a totally reasonable. Uh, thing to think it's wrong it's 100% wrong I mean <laughs> there's plenty of writers on that show and I know plenty of them they're all much better writers than me um, so but I feel bad I feel bad don't feel bad this is misinformation credit. it's the internet yeah, filled, but I mean, filled with I'm letting, I've let you down you haven't let me by down. existing you haven't let me down sir you haven't let me down actually you've actually helped my career instead you know so you're having an impact either way Oh, you know, that's good. I'm, you know, I'm well, glad. You, sh- you should be. You should be I'm like, the one who said uh, you should lose all that weight, fat ass. Yeah, that's one of them. Another one was like, stop cussing on stage. And I said, fuck you. I'm just going to cuss even more. I keep cursing as much as I want. Why am I not getting booked? Well, here's the three things that I told you not to do that you're still doing. Oh, now that I'm not no, doing that. But I've been, but I'm now getting I'm booked, booked all over the place. Now you're booked all over the place. I know. Because you, you have to put a quarter in the jar every time you say fuck on stage. I know. They're making money off of me. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, uh, how'd you start, man? When when did you start comedy? I don't know. I don't know if we've ever actually had this conversation. I uh, oh boy, I didn't expect to have to do that. One that second, was, please. Okay, there we go. I had to turn off my notifications. Um, uh, I uh, I started comedy. Uh, I went to birth. Do you know what Birthright Israel is? Do you know what uh, that is? No, I don't. So you know how they're um. You know how they're always trying to send, uh, uh, the United States is always trying to send people of uh, Latin American descent back to their own country, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we Jews do that too, except we do it as a vacation. Oh. So, the, yeah, yeah, I mean, I got, I got, I got, a, uh, I got a, a, a scholarship to go to Israel for a week when I was 20. The difference is, is that they want, you know, mine came with a flight back, unlike... If no, no, they just drop right. us off and they go, they, they go, see you in five months when you come back across the border. Also, my, my plane actually landed. They didn't push me out of the no, door. No. So I was, we were able to land in the, but there was no air, there was no, uh, there was no air conditioning at the airport in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, which I thought was kind of crazy. I, I mean, mean, like, how old, how old is this airport? Is this airport 5,000 years old that it doesn't it, have it, air It's about, it's about, I mean, Jesus walked those, that airport, you know what I'm saying? Jesus. Well, you, Jesus walked back and forth a lot because he probably got his flights delayed. Um, 100%. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right, enough. Uh, well, I did, <laughs> we can only digress for so long before people are going to be like, skip to the next episode. I mean, you must have somebody better coming up on the list. Uh, no, uh, man. I, 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 uh, this so, is my favorite part of podcasting. It goes off the rails. I, uh, I, I went to Birthright, and there's a lot of, um, even though Israel is a very small country, there's not much to see in between places. So they had us doing, uh, like, they had us talking about ourselves on the bus when we were driving back and forth. And uh, one of my friends who really liked it, he came home and took a stand-up comedy class in, uh, on, on the east side of Manhattan. 
uh, and he said I should do the same. So I did that. This was back in 2002. I took the class, I graduated from the class, and I basically stopped doing comedy from that class. Uh, I just, at the time, I didn't know anything about open mics. The only thing I was aware of were these bringer shows. So, uh, you know, so I had done this graduation bringer show, and then I was bringing people to these shows, and I had kind of run out of people who were coming to see the shows. And I was like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to get to the next level. So, and, uh, and so I basically stopped doing comedy and I focused myself in other places for quite a while. And then uh, after about 12 years, um, the, I got the itch again. And by then the internet was around. So I had learned about open mics. So in 2014, I started going back to open mics. Um, and I just found, as much as it was incredibly hard, uh, it, found, it felt to me like there was no reason not to go back the next time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was never a thing where it was like, well, I can do this whenever I want. I don't have to schedule it three weeks in advance. I don't have to have anybody come. So if it's 8 o'clock on a Monday and I want to go do it, I'll go do it. Unlike, unlike a bringer show where... You gotta like bring the and you gotta make sure that people are coming and you gotta make sure you have you have the the evening off or whatever the fuck. There's nothing else is scheduled. You gotta make sure you know what you're doing because people are coming to see you and it's the one show, uh, you know, you have every three weeks or whatever. So the pressure was off and I was like, oh, this is great. I'll go to open mics and just uh, sort of figure out what I'm doing from there. Um, and you know, from there I just sort of. Open mics, bar shows, more classes, ba 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 hosting, da 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 da. I mean, that's sort of the abbreviated version of the story. It sounds like uh, every modern stand-up of all time. You know, you well, I think you decide to do it, then you give up, and then you restart, and then it's like you go and you go and go and go and it's hard, yeah. You know, you stay I mean, consistent. I think, I think the difference is is that the extensive period of time that I yeah. waited, you know, twelve years is a long time. I know if somebody else who who went that long but most of the people that I know who sort of and you're right about that is that a lot of people go at it really really hard at first because it seems fun right away and then as soon as it's not fun it's like I'm done with this but I think 12 years I don't know I mean 12 years seems like a long time I I can think a lot of people who spend who go at it really hard for six months a year and then they go at it kind of hard for two years, right? Yeah. They go and they sort of do an open mic every three months or, you know, they don't do any, you know, they, they don't really focus a lot of attention on it for a shorter period of time and they go at it hard. But, you know, I know tons of people. I mean, I think in New York when with the, with the, um, the availability of stage time, it's more common for people to just start and go at it hard and just be, yeah, I mean, just be at it. It's what Austin is turning into, right? Like in right. the last year, where um, prior to the pandemic, even in Dallas, right, it was you started, and then you know, a couple of days a week you could do two or three mics and maybe right. showcase, but the rest of the week is all pro shows. You know, and right. who's coming through? You can't really get booked anywhere. And I'm sure you felt this. You know, when you're early on, a year and a half, two years in. Nobody wants to fuck with you because you're just not right. good. It's not that you're not right. funny. You're just not good. Right. Right. And then, Well, you know, I think what's different in New York is um, we don't do – it's rarer. Most of the clubs don't do that headliner format that 
right? Like there's uh, Gotham does the headliner format on the weekend, and Caroline's will do the headliner format. But all most of the other house clubs, most of the other um, house comic clubs do some sort of showcase format, whether it's four comics doing 20 minutes or six comics doing 10 minutes or eight comics doing eight minutes. So what that does is, number one, I think that creates more spots, right? Yeah. It creates more opportunities. But it also differentiates, it, it makes it harder for the local comedy going public to differentiate between a headliner show and either and like a or sorry like a pro show and a pro-am show or like a bar show do you know what i mean because i think if you're going to go out on saturday night you're going to go well i want to see the famous guy if you're in austin or you're in you know if you're 45 miles out of austin you're driving to austin you're not driving to austin to see me you're driving to see rogan Rogan. friends (laughs) or or you're driving to see somebody who you don't know, but you know has been on late night or about, you know, it's like exactly. whatever, like um, like people don't know Deborah Di Giovanni, but she's been doing comedy for 25 years or however long and is lots of TV credits. So they go, oh, she's from L.A. She did Last Comic Standing. Oh, I'll go see her and what she's about, you know. And I think that, um, you know, there's a cynicism in the world when it comes to comedians these days where people feel like it's it's a lot uh it's a lot i think people feel a lot more comfortable not expecting comedy to be funny but if the person has the credit if the person has the thing that legitimizes them then it totally changes everything and now you can be whoever you can do whatever and be funny i mean i went to see you know what i'm saying it's like you can have you can have five comics who are the top comics, the comics about to break in all of their scenes, right? Yeah. So you have the best unknown comic in Austin, the best unknown comic in Dallas, the best unknown comic in, in Houston, the best unknown comic in Oklahoma City, and the best unknown comic in San Antonio. And you put together a showcase show on a Saturday night, not at Hilarities. You do it at, you know, Joe's Tap and Deli. Right, yeah. tap and Joe's tap and bar. Kind of right. like what I do, my slacker show. Yeah. There, I, I bring right. in you know local comics that I know that are fucking killers, and you know nobody knows who they are, but all of a sudden you discover, you know, example John Carden, fucking killer. He did right. what thirty minutes on my last show, and he just rocked the place. And people were like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Man. And I'm like, "He's gonna be really famous in like three years." <laughs> but people will go and see somebody who, you know, that has that, that credit that they recognize over the five best comics in, you know, within 50 miles. And I, and the only thing that's really going to differentiate it is that there are some people who just can't afford $25 and two drink minimum. Those people are going to want to go somewhere where it's $12 and one drink minimum. So, but, but in that situation, people are going and they're like, I don't know if this is going to be, but in so in new york because it's all show like you go to the cellar and it's mostly people that you've never heard of sure they have credits but it's mostly people that 
that tourists have never heard of. Yeah. Down the street is another showcase show that also has a bunch of comics that no one's ever heard of and also has comics that have some credits. Maybe they don't have the all, maybe not everybody has a late night credit, but we're promoting Netflix, MTV, whatever. That show is half the price. A regular person's going to go, oh, well, this is the same show. This one just is cheaper. I'm going to take the cheaper one. And that makes it in some ways easier for a place like New York or even L.A. where they have a similar model um, to kind of rise up. Also, you know, people will go and see showcase shows on Tuesday and if it's a free show. So I think, um, you know, it's it was I don't remember how we started this conversation. I was asking how you started, but you're you're you're. Oh. You're peeling back the business. I, I, I yeah, I mean, doing. I think it just made it it made it easier for having those kinds of spots. A lot of showcase spots made it easier for me to get on shows. Also, um, those shows tend to engender shorter host time, which means there's less money to host, which means that the pros don't necessarily. If you're at like a an A club, like the seller, yeah, the host is a re, is a comic and they're getting paid more. But if you're doing Eight eight minute spots, fucking pro hosts don't want to bring up eight comics. They want to bring up four comics, so they don't want to take that spot. So that also gave me more a greater opportunity because I would jump in and host on shows a yeah. lot. Um, you know, I think uh, if if Austin is developing more showcasey kind of shows, which, which seems is, like which what's, happening, what's happening, yeah. then you're gonna then it's gonna lead to a lot more. Um, of an opportunity for comics because also the other thing is that then you really only need 10 minutes that's fire as opposed to 20 minutes or 15 or 20 minutes that's fire and you can get and and you know newer comics are going to get greater opportunities and going to become better that way i mean that's what you're saying is exactly what's happening i mean i look at my career in comedy so far right like we've worked together for the better part of almost two years since the pandemic uh you know obviously virtually but you look at where we're yeah, at. Yeah, this is all virtual work. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really but, <laughs> but, you know, we, where I started to where I am today, like I went from not getting booked at all, right, to doing spots all over Texas and getting cash for it. And then I'm right. not saying I'm rich. This is right, not right, right. saying I'm rich at all. This is right, me right, saying right, right. I'm, I'm spending more money on gas than I am yeah, 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 being sure. paid for the spot. But, you know, going to Houston, going to going to San Antonio, going to That's the you know about. Bodonk, middle of Texas, where you know it's a cowboy bar, and they don't know who the well, they don't even know where the fuck I'm from. All they know is like, oh, he's a comedian. He has you know, I have a credit that I opened up for you know Adam Ray. He was on a TV show, and they recognize Adam Ray, so they they recognize me nice. or whatever. And they it is like, not that I have credits because I don't really don't have credits. I have the podcasts the only credit that I really have. And all of a sudden I'm just working and it's like my material, I'm turning over material pretty quickly now because I'm on the road. And I'm like, you said, those showcase spots, those five, 10, 12 minute spots. She's all of a sudden it's like, Oh, now I get to work in these different ranges and, you know, working with headliners, working with pro comics and, you know, getting the advice from people like you getting advice from, you know, people like, you know, Amy Shanker, who's a fucking killer, by the she's way. She's great. Amy's great. I knew her. She was. She's all over the place. She like is she's, one of those she's, people. She's part timing it here. She's here at least every other month. Oh right. Oh yeah. I saw she posted something. She's opening. She's there this weekend. She's opening for somebody. Yeah. 
Is it Beth Stelling that she's opening for yeah, this week? Yeah, buddy. How good? See, I, Amy, I looked at your Facebook post and I paid attention long enough to remember that you were in awe. She's not watching this. This is for whoever knows her who's watching this. <laughs> um, but so uh, she's great. Oh, she's. I remember watching. I remember I was watching her. Racially was, ambiguous Jewish woman I've ever met. Well, I mean, I you know I, I picked her up on my Judah right away. Um, I remember <laughs> at one point I was working on some joke. And I was like tossing it around in my head and I was watching her at the Grizzly Pair and I was like, oh, that's that's the way she's, I'm not working on that joke anymore because she just did it the right way. And that's done with that. I'm not going to tell what the joke is because number one, I'll fuck up. I'll fuck it up. But also, you know, in case she's, you know, still doing it or anyway. doesn't want it. Yeah. yeah um, but uh, uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, well, you know, one of the things that that helps also is to be able to do those guest spots on the pro show, which is much better when you're willing to travel because if your town has one or two clubs and 30 comics vying for those six to 10 spots a weekend, depending it's on- probably more like 150 comics right, right, right. that, well, that move right. here from everywhere else in the country to do comedy. Well, I'm talking about smaller, <laughs> I'm talking about smaller, like, like Springfield where Richard lives is yeah. a perfect example because that club is dope. If you're ever near Springfield, Missouri, go to the Blue Room. That place is a dope club. Unless Richard Ricardo Aviles has a show, go to his show. But regardless, <laughs> and they have about, I mean, they have probably 30 to 35 comics in that town at any given time who are, who are in a position to do a guest spot on one of the shows that weekend. But they get four shows that weekend. Chris, the guy who runs the place, is pretty cool, and he will often do two guest spots because his host is usually a local so he'll have his his host do eight and have the two guest spots do five and then you're just 13 minutes into the show which gives the feature and the headliner plenty of time to do whatever they want to do um so um did i do the math right you know it's about minutes. it's about yeah. 18 you're, you're eight you're 20 minutes into the you're show. you're less than 20 minutes into the show the, there's plenty and, of time for and you've had three locals go up so that's 12 you know if he's doing four that's 12 but there's 30 comics but by traveling, even just to be, even just to travel from Springfield to Joplin or uh, another place where there's a club that's three hours from there, even you're the same comic, but as, the same, right? the as the when you travel to another town, now you're exotic. Now you're like, oh, this is a traveling comic. Also, I you're only in town one weekend. So if I don't put you up this weekend, you're not going to be, I'm not putting you up next or week. for the night. That's, I mean, right. that happens to me all the time. Right. I mean, sometimes, you know, I got family in different parts of Texas that I, that I'm blessed to, to be able to do that. Where it's like, Hey, I'll be in town, you know, from the 13th through the 15th or whatever, any spots available. Oh yeah. What do you got? You send them, you know, a five minute table. They go, Oh, guest spot, you know, open right. it up for, you know, Eric Rivera for, right, you know, right. whoever. And it, it, it's amazing. Like I, like I say, I look for four, for being four years into this comedy journey, whatever. I don't feel use like that word journey. I hate, I don't know what to call it at this point. <laughs> quest. Let's call it a quest. It's you know. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It doesn't have to be a thing. It's like I think that a lot of this is what I think is part of um, the 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 thing that kills comics is getting emotionally invested in it. You know what I mean? It's like if you were just trying to become a master woodworker, right? You wouldn't be like, I'm on my woodworking journey. That just sounds it like no. I look you know at what like I mean? weight loss. It's like weight loss. You just fucking do it. You just, just do, do it. Do it. Just I think do it. People, 
And then you don't know when you get good. Like, it's like everybody, like I was talking to an open micer a couple of weeks ago. And he was asking me, how do you know you got good? It's like, I don't even know if I'm good yet. Right. I, it's like, I don't know if I'm good until other people tell me I'm good. Because I'm always, I don't I have those blinders on. It's like, I'm just yeah. working on my material. I try harder. Sometimes it goes extremely great. And other times it goes like dog shit. And yeah. then it's like, every now and then, you'll have the nod from your fellow comics. But like, oh, that was funny. And that's kind of like, you know, like when you lose 20 pounds, like you don't see it in the yeah. mirror. But then somebody goes, hey, bro, you look really good. And I'm like, oh, how much do you look thinner? Like, what's up? You know? That's, yeah. I feel like that's how comedy is. That's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, um, it's hard to say when you get good. I mean, this kind of goes back to what I was saying before about, about cynicism is, you know, you can see people like Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes are stand-up comics who hosted the Oscars to you know a week and a half ago or two weeks ago whatever it was and there are still going to be people who are like amy Schumer's not good like who's to say what good is you know what i mean yeah. i think i think it's 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 so subjective and again there is the cynicism in the audience where number one people and comedy is so subjective that it's a, the, the 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 audience needs to be invested in it and a lot of times the audience is not invested in for whatever reason. You know, I'm from New York. People, a lot of times people just expect me to say a bunch of shit that's going to make them angry. And I really don't. I really don't say those things because it's not what I want to talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's not, I don't want to do jokes about that are condemning other people for their lifestyle. I'm going to do a joke. I'm going to do a joke about, about a racist, but it's not, it's a different, the sensibility is more like how ridiculous the world is. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. going to be an ironic joke about a racist. It's not going to be a joke about how racism is, you know, a boon to, you know, is, is a problem in our society. It's just not the way I want to, not what I want to bring, bring, not the, the, the feelings I want to evoke in my show. So, but people will often, you know, they look at me, they see me and it's like, oh, all right, this guy's going to, you know, and it could be hard. Right. So, so it's so hard to say what good is because comedy is just fucking subjective, you know, and you it's can like be good and then else, not right? good anymore. I mean, it's, it, I think comics, I think the great comics, they have, they're like athletes. They're, there's this period of time where they're just on fire. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're not good anymore, but they just, they hit that peak of like creativity, of perfect performing, you know, and then they get to their later part of their years and it's like, it doesn't mean that they're not good. They still sell out shows and they're still, but they're just not at that peak. And I right. look at, I look at like, like Dane Cook, for example. Yeah. There was a period of time where he was the biggest comic on the planet. Right. I mean, he's still performing. He still yeah. does shows in LA. He still tours. You don't hear him in the headlines. Right. So well, I mean, Dane's, Dane Cook is a little bit of, it's a little bit of a different kind of example because he had a lot of bad press around him a few years ago about stealing bits. And, yeah. uh, you know, that is, I mean, not to say that that's, it's a wrong point, but I mean, there's, you know, I was listening to the, uh, Chris, um, Dana Carvey, um, David Spade podcast and they had Chris rock on and, that's I think Chris Rock and Chris Rock was pointing out that he's no longer at his most famous. Right. There was a time when, you know, I mean, not the most recent news, notwithstanding. Right. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, 
his comedy audience is going to recede in the next six months to a year. It's going to recede back to what it was uh, bef- right before the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Like still going to be selling out, but he's not in the position anymore where like there used to be somebody asked me, he's not in a position anymore where he's the top comic. He's at the top. Somebody asked me at the at West side comedy club, the, 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 one of the owners asked me, um, who is the top comic in the world? And who's the top stand-up comic right now? And he said, he said Sebastian Maniscalco. Now, I agree that Sebastian Maniscalco is at the top, but in my opinion, it's got to be Kevin Hart. And it has nothing to do, it really has nothing to do with who's the best. Kevin Hart, as far as I'm concerned, is the only guy who could be number one at the box office the same weekend that he's selling out an arena, the same weekend that he's got people at home watching his TV show. Like that's on network television while other people are watching his last he's while he's hosting SNL. So he's the only guy who's got it everywhere right now. Him or Gabriel Iglesias. Same thing. But Gabriel Iglesias. Okay. First of all, Gabriel Iglesias uh, not hosting SNL. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, I mean, and, and also movies. I mean, you know, Kevin Hart Jumanji, right? That's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a movie star. Right. Like we're talking like Steve Martin. Right. You look at Chris Rock when Chris Rock was at the top of his game. I mean, he was everywhere. Right. He had movies and he's starring in, you know, um, what was it? Why did why did I get married? Like he's got he's got dramatic roles, too. You know what I mean? Like that to me is is is. um, But yeah. Yeah. But then five years later, 10 years later, you're still selling out theaters. You still have. Plenty. You still can't go to the grocery store, but <laughs> the mob is there's still. But now, when you get mobbed at the grocery store, somebody else is like, "Oh, I can finally get those beans I want." So. <laughs> yeah. So how do you? So we talked about how you got started, but how in the world of comedy, who has influenced you the most? I'm not saying that you copy or the material or right, anything right, like right. that. I'm talking about like you looked at him and you're like, one day. That's kind of how hard I yeah. want to kill. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say that the first person who, um, excuse me, I gotta wipe my nose. Um, I live in a basement, 
So my nose never stops running because my roommate is mold. Um, so I, uh, I, uh, I would say that probably it's a bunch of different comics. Like the person who really got me, who I was like, I want to stand on stage and do what that person is doing is Mitch Hedberg. He's the one, the way that he approaches, he approached jokes and the way that he approached, um, the world, his sensibility about what he wanted to talk about and the way he wanted to talk about it. That's, that's the number one guy. Um, but then there's on top of that, um, I, I listen. you know, I, right around the time that I got back into comedy, I started listening to the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. And, um, you know, it's strange because I like Gilbert Gottfried's early comedy, but then at some point he started cursing and it became a little too much heavily reliant on like kind of dirty poopy jokes to me. So it's, uh, it's, I'm more into Gilbert's early stuff, but I like the way he approaches character and the way that he approaches his, um, the way he approaches the audience if they don't like something. I mean, he's really like, fuck you if you don't like it. And he revels in the fact, he, he revels in the fact that if there are, if the majority of the audience doesn't like him, the people who do like him, like him even more for talking shit about those other people. Does that make sense? Like, there's like a, there's, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a self-deprecation that I don't think Mitch Hedberg ever brought. I'm, I am, if you are going to, if you're not going to like me, then I'm ready to go in on you about how you don't like me. Not that I'm going to like give you a hard time about it, but we're going to talk about why. Like we're going to hash this out, dog. Right. Like I always say, I always say like, uh, um, a lot of most, most comics, when they tell a joke, the people in the audience go, now, damn, why didn't I think of that? But when I tell a joke, the people in the audience go, damn, why would anybody think of that? That's you know? exactly how I feel. Right. I feel like us, like that, that time period where we spent a lot of time writing together. Yeah. Uh, that has rubbed off on me because some of the oh, premises good. that I talk about on like on stage, I have people coming up to me. It's like, where the fuck did you come up with this shit? And I'm like, well, you know, there's times and my head is crazy. I'm weird. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, what I would say about that is like, if you're doing, if you're doing jokes that are about things, if you're doing, if you're talking about subjects that everybody else is talking about, you really got to find the unique take. But if you just find something to talk about that nobody else is talking about, number one, even if you find the, there's five unique takes that nobody's got, right? You got five times as many jokes. And also if nobody else is doing jokes about pandas, any joke about Panda that's funny is you don't have to worry. So, I mean, that's one of the, somebody I, 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 uh, I, I do have a bit about pandas. And one of the guys in my writing group was like, where do you come up with this? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, no, it's great. And this is a guy who has a very interesting life. So he pretty much just talks about his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't need to come up, but you know, whatever. I do lighting for TV, so it's not it, very interesting. It's funny, right? Because I just put out a short on my Instagram that's did a lot better than I expected it to do. Um, about ghosts. It's about ghosts, but it's actually a true story about a ghost that is haunting my job. Oh wow! And, and, and it's funny because uh, when I found out 
the entire time. I'm like, y'all know having a Latina work in a place that's haunted is like asking me to do some shit I'm not used to. Uh-huh. It's like, I'm just like all over the place. And I wrote the joke and I remember I used to, I, I know it. I, I've said it so many times on stage and that's why I put it out. Well, when you release this, uh, when you release this uh, uh, episode, you can stop right here, put the joke in, and then everybody will know. And then go ahead. See, actually, the I, magic actually, of I, editing. Uh, well, so I can pull it up because I got it. Um, the joke basically goes: It's like you know, I believe in ghosts. Like the Jorona is real to me, and Kukui is real to me. So is Hillary Clinton. <laughs> you, you know, so it's like it's like the absurdity of like life, and then. I talk about that and people are like, where the fuck do you come up with this? I'm like, I don't. It's just, this is real life to me. This is my objective. It's like, as real as that sounds and how stupid people are afraid of, you know, somebody that they'll never meet. That's how idiotic it is to be afraid right. of ghosts, you know? And, and it's you, like, working with people like you that, that force me to think outside the box, not just be like, all right, Daniel, a dick joke is a dick joke. Right think outside of that box and that's where the real fun is well you know it's like lord michaels i don't remember who said i think it was mike myers told this story about lord michaels would say things like uh yeah well it got a laugh but did it get the right laugh right like are they laughing because of the premise that you came up with and the like iron you know the surprise related to the premise or are they laughing because at the end of the joke you said poopy you know what i mean like it's okay to say poopy to make the other part of the joke funnier but if the joke only revolves around the word poopy then it's probably not a very good joke and you know those kind of things are gonna what's gonna separate comics who do a lot of um who do a lot of short sets and a lot of sort of pro-am shows to those who go pro because, you know, audiences, they are smarter. They are going to go, this guy's been doing poop jokes for 25 minutes. Did I really pay all this money to just, and it's not to say that you can't do scatological humor. You can't do that kind of stuff and be funny. But even if, but if the only joke is about the fact that you're saying poopy and not the unique take you have on that. You know what I mean? Like I know a comic um, who has a lot, who does a lot of like bathroom kind of humor and the audiences love it. And he goes for 20 to 25 minutes. And, but the reason why he's able to get away with it is because he's kind of bringing a slightly unique, more, a slightly more unique take to it. So I think, um, you know, that's another one of the things that I got from Gilbert Gottfried was the idea that, you know, you have to be able to, to be, you have to be ready to say the unique thing. You know, you have to be the one. And, and like, if, if you're doing a joke that nobody else would have the balls to say, then they can't steal it. And you don't have to worry that somebody else is going to have a similar joke. Like, I want my jokes to be so unique that even if you're talking about the same subject, I can go on stage and do another joke about that and still get a laugh. Adam, like I said, you're you're one of the best out there. And it's it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time, man. I want people to look back whenever you're releasing your first special to Netflix, Hulu, HBO. It doesn't fucking matter. They're going to be like, he was on this podcast four years ago? What happened? And I'm like, I told you, dog. I predicted this shit. You know? Hopefully I'll open up for you that day. I don't know. <laughs> so, so uh, 
what what are you doing right now? Like, what are you doing in your career right now? Is there anything big that you're kind of in, what's in the works? I um so I usually I usually travel a lot for comedy. The last couple of years, like in twenty twenty one, I was on the road doing comedy a hundred days, and uh, uh, all over the place. Um, in I've been doing comedy s- almost eight years. I started traveling when I was about two years in. And in those six years, I did 35 different states and Washington, D.C. So I took, um, so I've been traveling a lot. But this year, I, last year, I just, you know, it's hard because it's really, it's, a, it's hard to make money doing that, traveling that much. So this year, um, I haven't really been traveling much uh, in the first half of the year. I've been doing, I've been working at Westside Comedy Club a lot in Manhattan. Um, I run a, uh, I run a, a new joke show there on Tuesdays. Which it's a the cool thing about that show is that we don't charge, so it's a free show. And usually in New York, free show means not very good. But this is at a club, and we get I mean, I get I get comedy seller regulars, and I get com I get uh I get people with TV credits all the time coming through because because we don't charge, um, the onus is off the comic, like a real professional is not going to walk in to a paid show and do a bunch of material that they thought of and have it, have it worked out because you're a pro you're there to deliver a product. So this show, because I removed the, um, the, uh, the, 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 the pay because I've removed the cover charge, the onus is no longer on the comic to deliver a certain level of comedy. So I, we always do new, new jokes and, you know, it's usually people will come and they'll do like a minute of their for opening stuff, you know, just to set the crowd. But we don't, it's not a crowd work show. I don't have a host. And I had Gary Goldman come in. I had Judy Gold come in. Corey Kahaney came in. Zarna Garg's been there a bunch of times. Harrison Greenbaum comes through. Greenbaum comes through. And these are all people who, these are all the people who you would see headlining at Zanies on the weekend. And the um, at, at, yeah, exactly. At, yeah. And 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 they just come in. And the thing about these people, what's so amazing, is like, you know, the jokes aren't polished yet, but it's always funny. You know what I mean? Like when when Gary Goldman does five new minutes of material, maybe he's not getting the same rapid, you know, laugh every twelve seconds, but the jokes are still there. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's fun. It's a fun show. And we have I have a bunch of regulars. Because we do a writing group beforehand, and it's like, let's. I want to make sure that the we set the tempo right. I want to make sure that the audience knows what they're getting, and that the the, the headliners. Because you know, you go on stage, and and the audience is looking at you. And if you're a pro, it's hard to be like, I need to settle down and do this for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. So that's my Tuesday show that I run every week at Westside, and I get up on their weekend shows a lot. And I'm also at the Grizzly Pair in west village that's a little bit more of a relax it's a club still a club but it's a more of a relaxed bar show kind of club we have barkers on the street and we bring you know i run a midnight show there on monday and we usually get i think a couple weeks ago we had 25 30 people there for midnight on monday which is pretty fucking dope but usually we get about 10 or 12 and we have a good time um but i am traveling which is what i was getting to this was a whole that whole thing was not the answer to the question. And all four <laughs> minutes that I just talked was all like stuff I wasn't going to say. I am traveling. In May, I'm doing a weekend in Valparaiso, Indiana, okay. which is, that's near Michigan. So if you're in like 
Eastern Michigan. Uh, it's not that far. That's I'm I'm opening on the Friday. It's one club, but the Friday show I'm opening for Kevin Farley. So that's going to be a dope show. That's cool. And then Saturday I'm headlining. Um, same club, but they they you know they only have Kevin Farley for the Friday. So Saturday I'm headlining, and that's the Saturday early show. I think is just a host and opener and me, and then the late show, which is going to be more of like a shit show. Is gonna have a few more comics on it. That's and then late in, night shows. I love late night shows. They're so fun. Man. Yeah, I mean that's the fun thing. Is like it's the one where you you know you just get to do you know you just yell at the crowd. So that's May thirteenth and fourteenth that I'm in Indiana, uh, in Valparaiso, and then June second and third I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, opening for Terry McNeely. Uh, the next weekend, which I think is the ninth and the tenth. I'm opening for Terry in at the Funny Stop uh, in Cuyahoga Falls, which is outside of Akron. So if anyone here in Ohio. Uh, and then two weeks later, the 23rd and 24th, that's a Thursday, Friday. I'm in uh, Bristol, Pennsylvania. Again, opening for Terry. And then uh, in at the end of June, I'm finally going to do Canada. So I got a show on the 28th in Toronto that I'm headlining and then the 30th in Quebec. So, so uh, you're on the road. I, I, you're on the road. You're, you're going to be traveling. You're going to be driving. You're going to be flying. Yeah. You're going, you're Again, going, I your arms are going to hurt. My arms. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I really want, I want to say those dates. But I didn't. Again, I didn't need to go. Go to AdamTellsJokes.com. That's my website. It's got all my social media links, and that's where you get all my dates. So I want to. I want to touch on something because you you mentioned this. What is it about the road that comics that do the road early and often? Why do they improve so much faster than the local comics that just came in town? It's a good question. Um, there's a couple answers. One answer is, um. I'm going to be doing most of those sets I'm doing at minimum 20, 25 minutes, right? So now I have to have 20, 25 minutes. If I'm doing, if I, even if I'm doing two show, two 10 minute showcase spots, I'm going to do the same jokes on those, not maybe exactly the same set, but it's not 20 to 25 minutes of material. It's probably 15 minutes of material. So number one, I got to have more material, right? Number, you know, you follow what I'm saying? Longer sets got to have more material. Um, Number two, uh, di different crowds. You know what I mean? Like I travel all over the place. Now, you know, the argument could be made that if you're in a place like the cellar, it's a big tourist spot. So you got people from Oklahoma. You got people from Texas. You got people from France. And that is true. But at that time, those people are still in a New York environment. Doing a crowd, doing a club that has one couple from Oklahoma and one couple from Arkansas and one couple from California, da 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 is not the same as doing a club that's all people from Arkansas, right? And then you go, so one weekend you're in Arkansas, the next weekend, Oklahoma, California. All of this stuff makes for a much more well-rounded kind of act. Do you know what I'm saying? Longer sets, more well-rounded kind of act. Also exposes... It uh, puts you in front of different kind of bookers and other comics. Different bookers from different areas are going to have different feedback. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Different comics from different areas are going to have a different feedback. You're going to learn your those comics are going to learn more by watching those comics and seeing what they do more. Greater diversity, greater, um, greater. You know, also different experiences. You know, walking around St. Louis. 
on Saturday, on his off day and Saturday, is not the same as walking around my neighborhood on and off. Every single thing, it just makes the the, the view of the comic much much greater. Oh yeah, no, it's my favorite part, right? Like when traveling, even within Texas, because Texas is its own country. Yeah, Texas is its own kind of place, right? Like I go to Dallas, it's a very uppity kind of town, right? Everybody. Dresses up, everybody, you know, it's all, you smell the oil in the air, everybody wants to spend money, right? But then I cook, then I, I'm based out of Austin, everybody's a fucking young hipster, woke, right? And then they kind of like, and, and it felt that for a while, all my jokes were becoming kind of wokeified. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want my jokes to be wokeified, I don't want my jokes to be funny. I don't need to be, I don't want clapter, I want laughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And don't get me wrong, if you want to clap at a premise, that's one thing, right? But it's like, when I hit the punchline, I don't want you to be like, yes! Yeah. Oh, yes! I hate that. Yeah. That, that is yeah, the I worst. I'm like, shut the fuck up and laugh. But, you know, it, it, they say this, it's a great example, because like Austin, like, even though they're in Texas, Dallas and Austin are vastly different, you know, than you know, Dallas I mean, is more working class, right? Like, Dallas it, is like blue collar. It's very blue collar, but it's yeah. also very uppity, because of like, especially where the clubs are, where Addison Improv is, where TK's Comedy Club is, and where Hyenas used to be. It's very, very kind of like the people that go out there, they're dressing up, they're putting on their suits. They don't care if you're dirty, but they want comedy. They want real right. comedy. Where, right. like, here in Austin, you go downtown, it's, you know, they're either Rogan fans that moved here, they're transplants, and they, all they want to listen to is Rogan. Or they're a bunch of college kids that want to, oh, my God. Right. I have something to say. Uh, right. You know? And then, uh, yeah. I mean, I was actually, when I said, I was thinking about Houston when I said blue collar. That's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Houston, Houston is its own thing. Right. Dude. Houston is very blue collar. Yeah. Houston, it's, they don't respect you unless you are the funniest person in right. the fucking room. But San Antonio is the same way, too. Right, like San Antonio, very Latino, right. very very Hispanic. I go there. I have some of the best sets I've ever had were in San Antonio, but it's like over there, come with the fire. Don't don't yeah. don't don't sit around and tell me your thoughts. It's like make me laugh. They well, I feel like a blue collar crowd tends to be again more cynical towards artists because if you're if. I don't want to speak for anybody, but I think if people are breaking their back and doing hard work on a daily basis, it's like that Dire Straits song, um, Money for Nothing and Your Chicks for Free. So if you're a blue collar, people tend to look at artists like they have an easy life. So you really got to be good because what you're doing is not hard. Now, you and I know that it is very hard. And I've done a lot of physical backbreaking work, and I'm not going to compare doing comedy to, like, digging fucking ditches. I've done it's it. It's not. No, no. I but but it, is, it's, it is hard. And so I think Blue Collar, there's a cynicism about that. Um, you know, I, as far as Texas goes, I've been to a bunch of different places in Texas, and I, I could definitely see how traveling around Texas is much different than, I mean, you know, all of those states. It depends because, like, Georgia, I think, because there's really only Atlanta in Georgia, the whole state has sort of a similar flavor. But Tennessee, you get a very different Nashville, um, Memphis, Chattanooga. These are all three very – Knoxville, all three very different. And I think Texas, 
you know, I did comedy in Lubbock. In Lubbock, I did comedy at a um, a Christian a Christian coffee shop <laughs> called Hebrews Coffee, and I was <laughs> mad because I was mad because I'm like, you can't call this place Hebrews, and I'm the first Jew to ever walk in the doors here. <laughs> and the crazy thing about it is like, you know, those I think the very that that kind of evangelical. They don't see the difference really between old the Old Testament and I don't know if you've ever been exposed to I, that. Uh, yeah, they don't see the difference between the Old Testament. I, mean, I live and the in Jews. Texas, bro. The higher right, the hair, yeah. the closer to Jesus. Right, right, right. So you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. there's those people who are like, I'm also just a Jew, but I, you know what I mean? Like that kind of relationship. They celebrate Passover, which is weird to me. But um, it was Easter weekend too, uh, and you know, so and then you get like. You know, in, 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 so that was in Lubbock and, and I went to this place in uh college station. Ooh. Do you know what that is? I that, know. I yeah. Mean, it's outside of Houston and between Houston and Northman. Yeah. I think it was actually, it might've actually been Bryant, Texas, but it was, that was the area right, right there. And we did this like speakeasy club, total like pop-up, you know, they didn't even really have any lights for us. Man, we did. That was the only place we did two when when I was on the tour in Texas. Was the only place we did two shows in one night, and they were both fire. They sold both shows out on like a Thursday. There was like sixty five people at the at. The, I think it was one of those places where they they when made the sellout. The, they made the go, sellout number a little low, so we had like sixty five on one of the shows and eighty five on the other show. But they were both considered sold out. Um, it's insane. Dude, it's, what I what I like about working those small towns in between the big cities in Texas, they yeah. don't get much of like big city comedy. So all of a sudden you say, "Hey, we got you know like we'll do theme shows." It's like, "Hey, uh, bad hombre is coming from Austin, going to Tyler, Texas." All yeah. of a sudden, the entire town comes out, yeah. and they're just they're just grateful, grateful crowds. They laugh at everything. It's like, yeah. it's great. And then then you turn around and do an open mic in your hometown. And you're like, I suck. I, suck I, went, to, I went to Wisconsin and we were doing this. And this was in November. We we're doing this tiny town. It was a, they called it like a, a community center, but it was really just like a veterans, like a, like a, a lodge that had been converted into a local place. Uh, there must have, there was probably 130 people there. The town only had 500 people, and they fucking loved the shit out of us. And I mean, there was a lot of people from other neighboring towns, but it was, you know, they loved us. We sold T-shirts. They everybody just wanted to just be our friend, and it was so great. But here's the thing, right? Like as as performers, people think that we have to cater to the mainstream. But when they realize that the mainstream isn't even the mainstream, right. the mainstream is those small towns in the middle right. of nowhere. Those are the people that consume, you know, the YouTube, that consume the Netflix. That con You wonder where the 10 million views come from. They don't come from New York City. They come from all those little towns where they 100%, don't. 100% right. You know, so you have to be able to play to those people. Yeah, so, Adam, I, mean I know you got to get going soon. Um uh, Go ahead, plug your stuff away. You already plugged your shows, but plug your all your Instagrams and anything else you want to. Plug. Yeah, I mean the best the best way to find me is AdamTellsJokes.com. It's got links there, but um, Instagram is where I'm really putting most of my energy these days. Uh, that's um, uh, A J Gable G A B E L, and hopefully you spell it right when you put out the. It's A J G A B E L at Instagram. Um, Twitter is also if you're a Twitter person, I do a lot of Twitter. That's 
uh, at the Adam Gable. But again, the best way to find me is AdamTellsJokes.com. AdamTellsJokes.com. Give it up for Adam Gable. One more time, everybody. All right, guys, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, follow Adam. If you're in any one of those cities he mentioned, come out, buy some merch, support his comedy. Um, eventually, we have thank to work. Thank you so much. Here. No, thank you thank so much you. for having me, Dan. I appreciate thank you. It. Thank you, Adam. Uh, we'll have you. We'll, we'll talk before I let you completely go. Yeah. But uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends and see you guys next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.